I want to go to the issue of housing prices and the real estate uh, downturn again. I know we've talked about this on and off over many months. Well, the reason why is because the prices keep falling and we're looking to see where the bottom will be. The latest uh, prices or the latest costings and figures from the month of February have shown us that Sydney's annual decline has broken through the 10% barrier and it's the first time it's done that since the early 1980s and Melbourne, of course, is not very far behind. Six of the eight capital cities recorded fall monthly values for February with only Hobart chalking up a bit of an increase at 0.8%. That's a pretty significant increase while Adelaide was flat. In Sydney, values fell 1% in February, taking the fall, as I said, past 10% annualised. And in Melbourne, it's over 9% annualised. Brisbane's previously resilient market has dropped a bit by a third of a percentage point over, uh, over the month. And it's into the red for half a percent uh, over the year. So uh, a bit of a worry in Brisbane there. I'm joined on the line now by Martin North from Digital Financial Analytics. Martin, when are we going to hit rock bottom? Uh, Chris, I fear we're going to see prices continue to slide. And I say that simply because credit is all about home prices and home prices is all about credit, right? And credit is less available now. The banks have tightened up. Um, The credit impulse, in other words, the rate of credit growth has eased again. And so I think we're going to see prices continue to fall. And now people are beginning to say, why would I buy now when if I wait till next year, I can buy and and save money, right? And also, if you buy now and then the prices go down another 5%, you lose your deposit of that 5%. I'm just kicking myself. I didn't sell my house a year and a half ago and sit back and buy a bigger one around about now. You should have listened to me. I was talking about this a couple of years ago. This is not totally new, right? But effectively, it is all about credit. And and I know that there are lots of other arguments about uh, migration and, you know, supply and those things. But actually, they're all pale into insignificance. It's all about credit availability. And now we've got to the point in the cycle where effectively the falls are widening out from Sydney and Melbourne, as they always do. But, of course, those averages don't actually tell you the full story because if you look at, um, you know, some markets in Sydney and Melbourne, they're down 20, 25. Yeah, well, that's what we need to know. Is this just the top end of the market uh, coming off or is it affecting the rest of us in sort of uh, average average, uh, household areas? Well, certainly, if you look at the top end of the market, now Box Hill is one example in New South Wales, that's down 40%. Now, that's, that's right at the top end, and, and so that's coming down. But say Liverpool, right? You know, typical price in Liverpool is down now 23% wow. from where it was 18 months ago. Uh, and, and I can, you know, go through all sorts of other... Even in regional areas, you know, they're down sort of average 6%. So, so the, the point to understand is these averages mask... These massive differences. Now, at the lower end of the market, in some postcodes, in some desirable houses particularly, the prices are less severe. But the overall mechanism that we're seeing is, is effectively credit is now tighter, and that will drive prices further. I reckon we've got 18 months to two years minimum for prices to further uh, go, go south. And I still think that we could be seeing a 20 to 30% peak to trough drop, which would be disastrous in terms of household wealth and also disastrous with regard to the broader impact on the economy. Yeah, none of us are going to spend up too much if we're seeing our uh, house values fall like that. What you say 
about the constriction on credit obviously rings true. Obviously, that uh, impacts on the housing market most dramatically. But what's unusual, of course, is usually when we see a credit tightening, it's because of high interest rates. What we've got now is record low interest rates, yet still for all sorts of other reasons, the bank's tightening the credit and, and therefore we're getting prices plummeting down even with record low interest rates. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, unemployment is actually very low. You know, so the, so, so the typical levers for a price crash are in, interest rates going up or unemployment rising. Neither of those are happening yet, right? And yet we've got this massive slide, and that's why I'm saying it's, it's credit related. But, but think about this. As people uh, sort of feel that their wealth is evaporating because essentially, you know, prices are falling, and in some cases people are now in negative equity, they actually spend less at the shops. And yeah. that means that we actually have this feedback loop into the broader economy. And about half of GDP is driven by household consumption. So if households, you know, keep their wallets in their pockets and don't spend, that has a very significant impact on the broader economy. And that second-order impact is now what I'm seeing because that then spins back and drives the market lower. And then, of course, the construction sector, which is the other dynamo in the economy, is also evaporating now because effectively they can't see how they're going to sell if they build. So you can begin to see the seeds of not just the home price fall here, but a much more concerning, broader issue for the economy. Martin, I didn't ask you on to talk about politics, but it occurs to me as you're explaining all of this, wouldn't this be the worst time in the world to increase taxation on housing investment? Well, it's a very interesting question, right? Because, of course, the negative gearing uh, momentum has been one of the things that have really helped investors come through over the last seven or eight years particularly. In fact, uh, nearly half of uh, property investors are, are negatively geared. But, of course, the other way to think about it is Currently, new property investors, if Labor got in and they brought in negative gearing, would effectively uh, only bar uh, new transactions on existing properties. So it's not the whole market. And, of course, it's grandfather for existing. I actually think it's a quite a good time to bring in negative gearing reform simply because we should have never brought it in in the first place. It was a mistake in the 1980s when it was brought in, and it's really distorted the market for a generation. So I think we should get rid of it. Wow. I just would have thought it might have been easier to get rid of it when the market is buoyant rather than add to what is a depressed market. Well, you know, I did some modelling on this, and it, it, it's, it's less than half a percent impact on home price falls on, on my modelling relative to all the other things that we're seeing. It'll be lost in the roundings. All right. Thanks for that, Martin. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Thanks. Martin North there from Digital Finance Analytics uh, with some sobering news there about uh, what we can expect in the housing market. Another 18 months to two years of prices going down. So what are you doing about that? Does this restrict the amount that you spend on other things? Does it worry you? Do we send a sock more money away and save for a rainy day? On the other hand, interesting aspects there, interesting analysis of Labor's negative gearing changes. Not so much to worry about there, according to Martin North. Let me know what you think. One three one eight seven three.